Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is brought to you by Assembly Coworking Space. Assembly has been home to some of Calgary's brightest tech startups and small businesses for almost a decade. If you're looking for a co-working space, check out assemblycs.com. This episode is hosted by Adam Casole Buchanan. Adam is the Director of Partnerships at BriefBid, a free media planner that helps marketers make smart media investments. Adam writes poetry in his spare time, and he's a huge fan of logic puzzles. Now let's tune into Adam's conversation with Hanan Shebib. Take it away, Adam. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, we have with us Hanan Shabib, a person I had the luxury of thinking I met through Rainforest Alberta, but uh, I guess we've only met each other through the grapevine, as it is with the COVID era. So, Hanan, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time in planning, and I'm glad that we got a chance to do this today. Yeah, and I remember from our original conversations, you have this incredibly interesting career path, and I'd love to to dive in and pick that apart. Where where are you coming from? Oh, geez, that's <laughs> such like a loaded question for someone who has like an immensely nonlinear uh, career path. And so it's been really difficult even to like uh, describe what I've done in my career to my mom. She still doesn't know how that all happened. So my background kind of started off in the sciences. I ended up with like a bachelor's of science in physical anthropology. I wanted to be a forensic anthropologist when I grew up and didn't end up doing that, as you could probably tell. And, you know, was that kind of individual that really loved the combination of science and art, but I couldn't really find a place where you could do those things together. So I eventually went back to school and uh, did my photography kind of on, on a part-time basis and did photography for a really long time. And then I ended up in the event world and produced events for large uh, corporations like the Shaw family and in Canna, Nexon at the time, you know, Talisman at the time. You could, I'm dating myself because you can tell a lot of these companies have changed their names and have been bought out over time as well. And then I had the really great luck of being introduced to Carrie Houston, who's been in the startup space here in Alberta for a really long time. And she was looking for someone to sort of support the work that she was doing at Alberta Enterprise as like this industry development. So working with all of the different sort of startup and VC organizations and whatnot. And she was the one who sort of introduced me into the tech space for the very first time. And I fell in love with it. Like I thought it was, it was just a really wonderful experience. And I got a chance to like meet a lot of really great human beings. And this is a really fast paced industry in comparison to a lot of other industries I've worked in. You probably know that. And I also had like the privilege of like having this group of girlfriends that were all in the tech space, every single one of them. And they were championing really interesting new tech in the space and just sort of like listening to what they were doing. So they'd introduced me to things like Instagram, 
they were like, hey, there's this thing, Instagram, you should sign up. So, so I did, even though I didn't know what I was supposed to do with it at that stage. You know, and so that was my introduction sort of into the tech space. And that was probably about 12 years ago. I mean, there's there's so many great learnings here with having a non-linear career trajectory. Can you elaborate like how you made the transitions or was it just passion proves out, you know, when you're when you're driven? Like, how did you make the how did you make the jumps? Well, and it, I, I jumped out of the tech sector after a time and went back into building out I went and started to build on Beakerhead. So I was one of the very first staff members. Some people may know is like an art science and um, engineering spectacle that happens in Calgary for five days. So I got a chance to be part of that team who built it from the ground up and made it happen for about four and a half years. And then I headhunted and moved into Alberta Ballet, which is an arts organization. And working with them as a product development specialist and then from there, then I moved back into like a pure sort of tech space, which is with Chic Geek currently. So I've done a lot of like hopping in and out of different industries. And so when we talk about like, how do you make a transition? Often it's kind of like reflecting on like what value you give to the organization or to the company that you're stepping into. So with with someone like Carrie, with when I was stepping into the tech sector for the very first time, she understood that how I was working as an event producer really leaned towards making things happen in the tech space at that time and needing someone who can like support all these other things that were happening and, and flourishing in the space. And so I really took on like a support role and transferred a lot of those skills that I had in sort of like the event producer world and moving them into more more like an industry development role instead, you know? And so when people talk about like jumping in somewhere where you don't really know, it is really about, for me, is understanding kind of like what I bring to the table, you know? And maybe what I bring to the table isn't apparent at first, but really what I do is pretty much the same across whatever industry I step into. And you're smiling and I know you're smiling because I have a feeling you have a very similar way of doing this as well, Adam, because I think you and I are kindred spirits in terms of where we found ourselves and how we got into the tech sector. I will admit, I when it comes to bringing stuff to the table, I like to think that I always bring the casserole and, and, the, and the potluck of jobs. So anything can really go in a casserole. It's just I know how to make a casserole and that's what I always bring, which is no, it's good to know for all those people like transitioning in, out of oil and gas into tech or transitioning into tech from any other industry. It's always fascinating to see how someone who has had a nonlinear career trajectory has said, oh, I've never thought about it as a transition. It is always how, you know, how am I bringing what I can bring to the table to any table I go to. Yeah. And I think also knowing where you are best suited in a team as well. So I know that I am comfortable with projects. Give me a project with a start and a finish. And even if that start is like just a concept and an idea, I can get us to the end goal. That is my comfort zone. Give me anything that is like a bit more, uh, maintenance, more of a maintenance role. Like it's been rolling for a while. It's, it's working really well. People just need to keep the gears going. I am not that person. That's not where my strengths lay. So whenever I sort of have conversations with people about what they're working on, are they working on like an interesting idea 
concept or challenge that I think I can dig my teeth into and like really, like really, really work on it. And then I can imagine all of the steps that are needed and all of maybe the resources that are needed in order to come to the end point. So whether that's a photography gig, uh, a corporate event, you know, building out a festival, uh, you know, plopping a fire breathing mechanical octopus in the middle of Inglewood, you know, four or five days, like, (laughs) you know, you give me that challenge. I will, if I find it interesting enough, I will accept it. And I will work out exactly what needs to happen. And if I don't have all the answers, I'll work with really smart, intelligent human beings to get us to that point as well. So many questions, because it's the first time I've heard the series of words, mechanical fire breathing octopus in the middle of Inglewood. It's the first, that's a net new sentence, but (laughs) there's not that many people who can express that they've actually done that in their time. Among a rare few, I'm assuming, among the fewest, the smallest list on the planet. But I'd really love to, to dive in then, like what you execute projects. What is the current project? What's the current thing you're working on? About 10 years ago, when I sort of stepped into the tech sector for the very first time, I got introduced to this really amazing human being called Kylie, Kylie from Sheet Geek. You know, she's the founder and she's been building, building sort of this community around like supporting women in tech for like the last 10 years. I got the opportunity very recently to step in as one of her team members to come in and help her make some changes in terms of what the offerings looked like. So of course, you know, over uh, the last 10 years, she's been able to like build out these beautiful events where people can like get together, do some learnings, lots of volunteer opportunities. And then of course with COVID, that really just kind of put a bit of an end and a bit of a push towards moving some of these beautiful support programs online. So what I get to do right now within the team is sort of exploring what those what those programs look like and how do they operate online and having really great, beautiful discussions with women in tech about the challenges that they're facing and the things that they want to see change, as well as like providing them with some really good services, you know, hoping that they'll stay within tech instead of leaving tech. So right now, a lot of the research that we have done or that we're seeing is that two times more women are leaving tech than men. And that's primarily women in their mid-career. So these are women who are roughly about the five to seven year mark. And they've had a good go uh, within the industry and they are considering leaving the industry. So what I get to do as a project is to ask the question of why is that happening? And then what kind of programming supports, supports that? So we've got this really great online program called Career Pathing, where we make curated matches between someone who is seeking the answers and someone who may have the answers. So our pathfinders and our career guides. And we have, we ask them the question, you know, like, what are you struggling with? And a lot of the women that we're talking uh, to around this is that they don't see a clear career path for for themselves in tech. So they're not seeing role models or senior executives that reflect who they are. So they can't envision how they can get themselves into another tier or another level of the work that they're doing. And so we get to have really beautiful dialogue with people one-on-one as well as the community around why is that happening and what can we do to support that, to prevent that from occurring? Because Adam, as you know, we can't build tech without women's voices 
50% of the population being outside of that kind of creation is is damaging to our economy. It's damaging to uh, the kind of diversity and innovation that we want to see happening within this sector. So our role is really to sort of prevent that from occurring. Yeah, you 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 ultimately risk like the blind systemic bias just because there weren't the appropriate inputs to get an inclusive output. It's the, and to better to recognize it very early. And, and I'm I'm really fascinated about the this attrition rate that you're describing. Like, how did you how did you conduct these interviews? How how did you get to the core of that? And what was that process like from like in person to then digital to really dive into like we need to figure out how to like reduce this attrition rate because it's it's hurting the future prospects of all women in tech. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give credit to Kylie because Kylie was the one who did, she she did a lot of sort of like a secondary and tertiary research where she just went out and looked for things that supported or gave answers to why that was occurring. So it's, this is across the board. This is not just like a Canadian or an Alberta problem. This is sort of like an ongoing North America problem. So there's that. And then she also went ahead and asked the community, the entire Alberta community around what are they seeing and what are they feeling and, and getting responses. And the great thing is because she is so such a genuine human being and connecting with the community, people do want to respond uh, to an ask that she's that she's asking for. You know, they want to see her succeed. They want to see the organization succeed. So we had some really wonderful individuals within our community who gave really key insights into that. And then from there, we built a, a platform called Career Pathing, which happens online. But when people sign into the program, we ask them a whole bunch of questions, you know, and one of the questions is like, you know, do you feel comfortable? Like, do you envision yourself staying here in the tech sector? You know, and then we look to see like how many people are responding and we take all that kind of aggregate data and really get a sort of a snapshot of what's happening within our community. We know it's it's about career path visibility. A lot of them don't know where else they're supposed to go or how they can advance their careers. And then they also don't know what other skill sets and, and knowledge they need to have in order to do that. You know, one of the other things that commonly comes up when people are talking about this subject matter that I think I want to kind of challenge a little bit is that they say, well, it's because women are the primary sort of family, like the family uh, nucleus, right? So they're the ones who are taking on the roles of having to make sure that the family is doing okay, right? So there's that work, work-life balance. And so when we ask the question, work-life balance does come in at a third but it's not often talked about as in I need to balance out what's happening with me being a mom and being being, you know, a professional career person. What they're talking about is and, and I'm going to challenge this again, that I think even women who don't have families or who don't plan on having families also want to see work life balance. And what what is important to them is that they want to have a life that is outside of their workplace, that is full and happy and that they're making connections with their parents and they're making connections with their siblings and they're making connections with their friends. And so it's not just a question around childcare. And so I want to make sure that we talk about or bring that point up because I, I have heard it often when we talk about like, you know, women not going into certain sectors is usually because of the childcare issue. I think that's part of it. 
But I think we're missing a, a large portion where I think women in general want to be connected to their community in a greater in a greater way. And that often means that they need a bit more work-life balance in order to do that. And they feel that that's important. This is, uh, I love the fascinating counterpoint and, and not being solely professionally defined. How did you, I got to ask, how did you navigate that for yourself throughout your own non-linear career trajectory? Like that's fascinating find. How does it, how did you do it? You know what? It was, I wasn't always very good at it, you know, so especially in the event world, if you've ever been a, a producer with serious hard deadlines, you know that sometimes you are working 16 hour days, seven days a week months and months at a time. And for a long time, I thought that that's what I wanted and that it was important to work at that capacity. And then when you realize that your body just doesn't allow you to do that either, and your emotional state actually does get impacted in a great way, and no one's going to advocate for you except for yourself, that you have to start putting boundaries in. So when I started looking at work that was different from producing um, events, I wanted to make sure that there was some uh, limitations around work hours. There's some lim- limitations around um, how many weekends I would have to work or how many evenings I would have to work. And I was very clear about that anytime that I sort of would step into a role. And sometimes it meant that I would have to negotiate, but I had to feel really confident in the value that I was bringing to the organization, that that hopefully to them, they would see that that was something that they would bend a bit on in order to have me on the team. And of course, with Chic Geek, I didn't have to do that. Like, it's just, it's naturally built into this sort of like beautiful, um, you know, a community and culture that we have is that it is important to have that in in one's life and you bring your best person forward if you have the ability to have those already in place. So I don't find I have to fight for those things at Chic Geek, which I really love. And but I but I knew in my career that the only person who could totally advocate for that was myself. But that also meant I had to be super clear about what I wanted and what I was okay with and what I wasn't okay with. And then I had to be okay with actually communicating that. Right. And that's the hard part is because you think, oh, I'm some they're gonna retaliate. They're not going to like what I say. And of course, we we go into that mindset that the worst possible thing could happen. And we forget that they may want the same thing for themselves and they maybe understand greatly what it is that you're talking about. Yeah, I uh, always guilty of starting with the worst scenario before playing the other scenarios in my own head. We're all guilty of it, at least in the tech world. Uh, I, I like how this is so well framed for what is like a growth mindset. And I'm, I'm really interested in seeing where do you see you know, women in tech as, as a community growing in Alberta or in Canada, what, what do you think the future, like, what do you think lies in front of us and what you're trying to do? So I know that with Cheek Geek, what is really also important to us is that having these one-on-one conversations, we, we protect the individuals that are within our, our community, but sort of like overall theme of what we're finding is happening. We want to make sure that we're having those conversations with our corporate partners and with the, the broader community. So one of the things that they recently have launched is the DEI motherboard. I don't know if you've seen it, but it, it talks about diversity, equity, inclusion, and a lot of case studies with our corporate partners. 
as well as like, how do you build your own DEI policy? And how do you, as a corporate partner, how do you actually support women in tech through some of the programming that we're doing? So we feel that in order for like the future of women in tech to be a positive environment, you have to have dialogue with the corporations that are creating the workplaces, right? So there's only so much the individual themselves can get um, out of that experience. But if we're not sharing with our community what they can do within their own company to make sure that their spaces are great spaces for women to thrive in tech, then, then we're kind of missing an opportunity. And so I know that there's a lot of uh, companies within our industry right now who are trying to address this very problem and this very challenge. And we want to be a partner that can come in and go, this is what we've learned. We've seen the data. This is the data that we have. We can share with you what we think people are looking for. And this is how we can get you to be more supportive as an environment. So we've got some really great partners who are actually taking some of our programming and embedding it directly into their 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 culture. You know, so they have one-on-one mentoring with us, but it's through our programming, you know. And so I think it's really important to recognize that some of the language that we use around being a hustle kind of culture, like we maybe want to really think about like, what are we really saying to people when we're using that kind of terminology? Are we saying that your life and what you what you want to contribute to in this industry doesn't mean as much as, as what we can get out of you? You know, so we have to be really conscious about like why, why we speak the way that we speak and what we, what we really want to achieve when we're using that kind of language. Hustle, grind, you are, you are the sum of your outputs. Yeah, it's tough to defer to oneself as, as just the sum of your labors. It's, it's, it's tough and it changes the mindset of the endeavor. What I really want to touch on is you, you mentioned something that really I'm a huge proponent of. How do you think mentorship plays a role in, in if not community growth in general, then at least you know the women in tech growth? How, how are you seeing that blossom? Well, if we know that women don't see themselves in higher levels of the company, they don't see their role models there, right? So if we can provide a mentor that is maybe not within their company, but is a little bit at a higher level that can sort of help them understand what the visibility needs to look like or what their career path needs to look like, for me, that's that's a huge gain. So if they can't find what they need in terms of a role model, a kind of like internal support within their company, because the number of women are so low, then can we find those role models outside of the company for them? And the beautiful thing about our community is that we are a community that actually wants to give back to our community. So we have these amazing mentors who have gone through the process themselves. They have had to sort of like try to tackle through this landscape and have learned on their own. And they want to make it easier on the women who are coming after them, right? So they want to give back their time. And what we do is we, we look at the individuals and we curate which individuals are the best matches for that person uh, for that time. And so for me, mentoring is really important because I didn't get where I got to without having mentors, without having peers uh, that I could talk to. If I didn't have the women, my, my dear friends who were women in tech to talk to on a regular basis about some of the challenges I was facing, I don't know what I would have done. And I recognize how important it is to have people who are advocating for you and who uh, believe in you and who want to see you succeed, uh, be part of your professional life. 
And so the beauty of uh, this Sheiky career pathing program is that it's a bit more formalized. You know, you don't have to know me, Hanan, personally and reach out to me on LinkedIn and do a cold, a cold ask. You can go to Sheik Geek, sign up for career pathing, and we'll make sure you get the connections that you need in order to to get the answers that you're looking for. I dig it. The only, I mean, the only question I have left is how how can one participate in some level of allyship or or you know, shout from the rafters how how much we love what you're doing. Thank you. And I mean, we 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 always like firmly believe that there's always a place uh, for everyone to to be at the table with us. So if you're a gentleman and you're looking to be an ally, a really good way to go is just to go to our website and read some of our kind of sort, sort of our value statements of what we expect, as well as our career guides within our career pathing aren't always identified just as strictly as women. You know, so we do have gentlemen who provide their expertise as as mentors. You know, so we do encourage men to come and look at the platform in that way. Talk to your talk to your company. If your company doesn't have a DEI program or doesn't have a mentoring program, and it's because you're not able to focus some of your resources on that because maybe you're a small to medium company. You've got one person who's a people and culture person. You know, talk to your company about like, hey, I know we can't do this kind of work ourselves right now at this very moment, but Cheeky can fill that gap in the meantime for us. You know, and then it's really easy for a, a corporate partner to step in uh, and support uh, the community in that way at a very at a very low level in terms of like what that means financially and whatnot. And we, as a community member, always give give back the community partner like a big overall picture of what's happening in the industry at that time. So that's a few ways. Following us on social, of course, we've got some great like live events, you know, that come up. We have like events that are like based on, you know, DEI, but also on like uh, really great women who are doing great things in their own company and how they got there. So that's another way that you can support us. Anand, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I have learned so much uh, and it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk with you too. And and so glad that you asked me. And I'm sure we will run into each other at some point in time in the real lives. <laughs> yes, in, in the that thing they call the real world. No, it has been an honor to host you today. Awesome. Thank you, Adam. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by Assembly Coworking Space. If you're looking for a co-working space, check out assemblycs.com. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.